Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to History for Weirdos. We're your hosts, Andrew and Stephanie. And each week, we're going to take you on a journey into the strange, obscure, and relentlessly entertaining corners of human history. Now listen up, friends, because it's about to get weird. Welcome back, Weirdos, to episode 100, part two of the Yay. History for Weirdos podcast. Woo-hoo. Oh my gosh. And just like last time, we're here in beautiful downtown Los Angeles, Spotify Studios, recording this episode. Yay. They were so gracious enough to let us come here and record this episode, and to them, we are very grateful. Yeah, special shout out to Adele and Johnny for making this happen. Yeah, you guys are awesome. If they're listening, you guys are awesome. We sound even more professional than usual, I'd say. (laughs) (laughs) And just like last time, just like part one, we are going to be jumping into questions submitted by you all, by the weirdos. And then we're also going to read weird history stories that you all submitted. Yes. Do you want to kick us off with some more Q&A? You know what? I'm going to let you go first this time. Thank you. Very gentlemanly. Ladies first, (laughs) even though I went first last time. (laughs) Okay. This question asks, most interesting historical tragedy in your opinion? Ooh. Ooh. Should I go first? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So most interesting historical tragedy for me God, I I am so basic because it all goes back to Rome. But I was gonna say Pompeii. Oh yeah, the, the explosion of Mount Vesuvius. And but f- to be honest, this is for a very specific reason. Like mm-hmm. w- because of this tragedy, we got a glimpse into the daily life of like what a Roman would do, and from all different sort like classes, all from the their aristocracy all the way to enslaved folks right yeah and even animals and it's very rare that you get to see that and it's almost like a snapshot in time especially as we uh, dig more and we we uncover more and more things we really have gained a lot of understanding about ancient roman society because of that tragedy and it's it's almost like an enigma right we've tens of thousands of people had to die for this to happen mm-hmm. maybe even more um but because of that we now just understand so much more about the their way of life so it it, it really is it's interesting because we know so much be, about it but again the loss of life was it was horrific i you know what i would say the exact same that's not even a cop-out i think it's so interesting because it's one of the few tragedies I can think of because other things that to me seem very tragic are obviously things like our Civil War, mm-hmm. the Holocaust, things like that. But this is one that eventually ended up giving us the, the gift of so much knowledge. I still don't think, even though it's been so long, I don't think it takes away from like the pain and suffering that would have happened. But it's just so amazing that we have this information now. Right. Because like we've talked about so many times on this podcast, we typically only hear about the upper end of society, right? The people at the top, because those are the people that are written about. But thanks to Pompeii and Herculaneum, we know so much more about what the everyday life would have looked like. Right, exactly. So I think that's a really good one. Thank you. Okay, so next question is favorite historical fiction movie. Ooh. You want to go first? I have one. Hmm. Is it gonna? Be, is yours? Um, Troy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, am I that basic? No, I just know you. Yeah. We're married. I should know. That's true. That's fair. So Troy was released in two thousand four, so almost twenty years ago now. Mm-hmm. I saw. In, I still remember seeing it in theaters with my dad. Funny really? enough, I do. Yeah. I mean, even then, I was like, what, what, two thousand four? So I was like, what, twelve years old at the time. I was a huge history nerd. 
even back then. I yeah. mean, even before that, I was a huge history nerd. But I remember seeing it in 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 theaters with my dad, and obviously, this I mean, it's historical, but mostly fiction, right? Right, right. Most because movies are. <laughs> yeah, it's based off the Iliad. So, and you know, I had never really been exposed, I think, to the Iliad before that, and so mm-hmm. that was my first exposure, and and really kind of hearkened my interest into the Bronze Age, actually, funny enough. Really? Yes. That's it? <laughs> That's all, yeah. And, I mean, the fight scenes hold up to this day. I knew you were going to say something yeah. like that. The fight scenes hold up to this day. It's it's such an interesting story. And I think it gets – it didn't get a lot of, like, kudos at it at the time. But now I think as time goes on, oh, I it's think – it's definitely a classic. It's Yeah, I think everyone really looks back at that with, like, kind of fond memories yeah i think so mine is a really heavy movie but it it was really kind of life-changing for me dare i say and that was um or that is i've seen it a few times seven years a slave oh jesus yeah so so well done it's obviously based on a real man's experience and obviously real experiences of many people in the United States who were impacted by slavery in so many different ways, right? Not just enslaved people, but the community at large. Um, it's really hard to watch for obvious reasons, but it's so well done. Everyone in, in that movie does an amazing job. I watched it on a plane. I did not realize... Oh were you just sobbing next to some poor sap? Yes. Well, actually, it was it was kind of funny because I don't remember where I was flying back from, but I know I was going home, and there was a couple next to me that from the moment we sat down, I was in the aisle seat, and they had window and center. They were just making out a lot, and it was annoying. So I was like, oh, I'm going to watch a movie to kind of tune out this making out. And then I started watching Seven Years a Slave, and of course, I was crying so much throughout the movie that it kind of ruined their mood, I think, and they stopped making out as Good. a result. I mean, I, I'm all for, you know, you know, maybe this as an American, this might be a little bit controversial, but I, I'm for PDA. You know, I, I don't mind. Yeah. And, but that's just obnoxious. Like, on a plane? In such close quarters, it yeah. was too much. Like, if, if you're in, like, first class or something, and you, you have, like, the two seats that are together, and it's just you two, I think, I mean, that's fine. But when you're sharing with someone else in your aisle, that's, that's just weird. Yeah, it was weird, and I was really glad they stopped, but the movie was really harsh. It took me years to watch it again, Yeah, and I think having been more prepared for it, I enjoyed it more the second time. I was able to learn more from it, so if you haven't seen it, it's not super fun, but it's definitely worth the watch. Yeah, um, I when I think of that movie, it really makes me upset, and I, I actually get a lump in my throat. Yeah, um, understandably so. Just, yeah. Anyways, moving on. To, I don't want to dwell on that one. Um, next question is, it's do, you- do we believe in past lives? And I think the person who submitted this question, Sienna, said that we give off the vibe that we may have known each other in a past life. Ooh. Do you believe in past lives? You know what? I didn't before I met you. And now I have to say because of our relationship and you ex- you kind of exposed me to some more i'd call it like woo woo stuff for lack of a better term and that's not to be like off-putting or like put her down or anything it's just i don't know how what else to call it i mean i believe in it now like mm-hmm. i believe in past lives um definitely so yeah <laughs> yeah that's a short answer yes i definitely do i always have it's funny i've talked about before because it comes up so much with histories both sides of my family are very Catholic, but both sides believe in past lives. The two don't go together, but they exist at the same time. Right. So I've always grown up hearing that or hearing like, oh, I, this relative is actually this person from a past life, like things like that. So I've always believed in it. And then when I was in college, before I met Andrew, I had a past life regression done, which is where a type of medium um, helps you get into a meditative state and you you yourself visualize different past lives you've had and in my case the medium I didn't say anything to her during the process she was kind of walking me through kind of like a guided meditation and I was just seeing things in my head and then at the end of it she summarized what I had seen not me she was go- she's like okay so in the first one remember when you were a little girl and you went here but and I was like oh my god 
like how do you know this how do you, yeah i didn't say anything and that even for me was like it gave me chills it was a really cool experience so i totally believe in past lives and i definitely think it's possible we may have known each other in a past life i think so too honestly i i really do yeah yeah, that that was a good question. I, that one kind of threw me off a little bit. I like that one, Sienna. Yeah, and you all got to see a, a new weird side of me. <laughs> yes, that is. I know, and it's this is such a theme in our relationship where you have like an idea, and I kind of get swept up with it as well. I'm like, wait a minute, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like, I'll help you do this. You're also literally being, the podcast. You're being very kind. It's usually a crazy idea. Yeah, it's a wild idea. I mean, the craziest ideas are the best ones. <laughs> Thanks. So you read that one. Uh, the next question we have is, what's your favorite part of your respective culture's history? Oh, that's a really nice one. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. Um, I think I can't hear myself anymore. I can hear you. But isn't it weird that I can't hear myself? Yeah, did you unplug it? Okay, it's back. Okay. Weird. So favorite part of our respective culture's history. Hopefully that was good. Do you want to see? Yeah, it's still going. Okay. And I can hear you in here. Okay. For me, this is actually, I'd say, nearly impossible to pick. I can't pinpoint a moment in history for either of my cultures to give you all a little backstory, though I'm sure you know already my mom was born and raised in mexico she was born in michoacan and grew up in between michoacan and acapulco guerrero andrew and i went earlier this year and my dad was born in brooklyn until and that's where his family was from until he got hit by a diaper truck <laughs> and then my grandparents got a settlement from the diaper truck company and they moved to long island I don't know why Which we're laughing. Such a, I know, and, it, and you know what stakes is like that was such a bad move, like in terms of like looking back and in terms of just real estate. Yeah, I'm. This is a little tangent, but before my grandfather passed away, I asked him for the address of the brownstone they had two units in because it was his mother's before. I looked it up on like Redfin, and it was worth millions of dollars, and he was almost in tears because that's definitely not what they sold it for. Back in the 70s. But anyway, so on my dad's side, his grandparents were Romani Hungarian from his his dad. And then on his mom's side, Irish. So Irish, Romani Hungarian, Mexican. I'm just going to summarize by saying I have so much pride in, in all of my cultures and history. I think all three of those are cultures of significant resilience Mm -hmm. in the face of really intense systemic historical oppression. And I think my ancestors are badasses. Yeah, definitely. I'm really grateful they got me here. So I could go on and on and gush over all of those. I don't have a, a specific favorite. Mm -hmm. How about you? My <laughs> That's such a well thought out and like beautiful answer. Mine is so not that. <laughs> <laughs> Mine, I'm so I have Scandinavian ancestry. So Vikings. <laughs> I love Vikings. They're so cool. Yeah, I also think you have um we you did a whole episode on William Lawson, so you have yeah, Scottish rebel ancestry. Uh, yeah, I am part I'm ethnically Scottish as well, more recently. And yeah, absolutely I guess Scandinavian recently too. But anyways. The last name Iverson, yeah, definitely. Yeah, very that is a very, very Scandinavian name. Um but yeah, I, I was going to say, I love Scott. The more I learn about Scottish history in particular, I actually really like that. Yes, um, I do too. I don't have Scottish ancestry, but I love the history. Yeah, I just think it's really cool. Um, I mean, going back to like the Middle Ages, even the pre-Middle, even like in late antiquity, I think there were some really interesting developments, like with the Picts in particular, they were a, an ethnic group. Yeah, but so yeah, Scottish history, I think really interesting stuff there. And Scandinavian, yeah. Yeah. Fun fact, weirdos, one day we dream of living in Edinburgh. Yeah, I think that's going to be really cool. No idea how we're going to make that happen, when that would happen, but that's our dream. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you read that one, right? Yes. This next one, what is our Myers-Briggs type? And then the person that submitted this question guessed. They said, 
My guess is that Andrew is ESFP or ENFP, and Steph would be INFJ or ENFJ. I want to know if I nailed it. So for those who may not know, uh, Myers-Briggs is a personality framework that I personally am obsessed with, so this is an awesome question for me. My love, do you want to share what your Myers-Briggs type is? Yes, my Myers-Briggs is, you were close on one of them, I am an ENTP. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about your guess for me, for <laughs> ENFP, is that's actually Stephanie's Myers-Briggs. Yeah, I'm an ENFP, which I could totally see why someone would think INFJ or ENFJ, though. Mm-hmm. ENFPs are known as, like, the introverted extroverts, so I often get misassessed by people, I guess, as an introvert. Right. And I wish I had more J skills. J, <laughs> J is to someone who's very who's judging, not in like a bad way, but who is able to uh, provide like clear judgments on a decision versus perceiving as the type of person who's more likely to like go with their gut. I'm a gut gal all the way. Yeah, and it's funny because like my, my that last letter for me, I'm like oh, yeah. right on the cusp. Like I I lean to the the perceiving side, mm-hmm. but I'm I, I could very well easily be also an entj and that's interesting because you were super extreme in the extroversion right i like extreme extrovert (laughs) but it's funny because i feel like now as i've gotten older i think i'm i've tapered back on that a little bit tell them what it originally was when you took this like in our early 20s like in our early 20s like it was like in the like 90 percent or greater than 90 percent like on the the, the extroverted side which is extremely swayed to that side yeah and i was very clear cut on all of them except for extroverted versus introverted i was just barely in the extroverted category so you were close these were good guesses yeah very good so if we could go back in time when and where would it be mm, we've been asked this before unsurprisingly and i think my answer changes every time someone <laughs> asks me this. Um, okay, for me, no, I don't think my answer changes. I think I always pick the same time period. I want to be in New York City or in Paris in the 1920s, in the Roaring Twenties. Mm-hmm. I know I don't drink, guys, but I want to go back in time and I want to drink champagne and dance all night and listen to jazz bands like live and then come back home. Yeah. I know. I, I'm assuming this, like, it's not like you're going to stay there. I'm assuming this is more of a to like, visit. visit and then mm-hmm. you can come back. Because if that's the case, I'm going to cheat on this answer. Ooh. And then I'm going to say, I want to see Rome at different points. So I want to see what it looked like in 750 BC, which is like roughly, you know, when it started, you know, according to them, at least. I want to see what it looks like, like the beginning of the Republic. I, I want to see what it looks like in, you know, like during Julius Caesar's time. I want to see what it looks like in the time of Hadrian, right? Mm-hmm. And I want to just because at that point, I can see like how it's progressed. So, but if I exclude Rome, then I'd say Athens in the mid fifth century BC. Wow. Yeah. You've thought about this. I have. All I thought about was partying with the Fitzgeralds and the Hemingways. <laughs> Imagine being able to go and see a play by like Sophocles or. <laughs> Or, or Euripides, right? Like in like the classical Athens. That would be, to me, that's just like, wow. Yeah. It was a good question. Yeah. Okay. Are either of us artists? Define artists. <laughs> I'd say, well, okay. I would say you more so than me. How so? Because you're a writer. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. If writer counts as an artist, then yes. You know, I'm going to say a cheesy answer. I'd say this this is my art form. No, definitely. Yeah. I think, so neither of us are traditional artists. Like we don't, neither of us have any visual artistic skills or musical artistic skills, anything like that. We're both actually pretty bad at drawing. Oh my God, terrible. (laughs) But we're both very creative people. We both really like doing creative projects and trying new things. I think we have the spirit of artists. Yes, definitely. But not the skill, unfortunately. (laughs) Not the skill. (laughs) Okay. Oh, favorite question so far here. Favorite ice cream, ice cream, ice cream flavors. <laughs> okay. My favorite ice cream flavor, it 
depends. <laughs> yes, I love that answer. It depends on the mood. You all know what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. sometimes I could go for a rocky road. Oh, that's that was one of my answers. Yeah, when it's like you really want like comfort ice cream, but if it's like really hot out, like it, you just need to cool off. I actually like those like weird flavors, like a lavender ice cream or. Yeah. Like a lemon meringue ice cream, something like that. Something a little more refreshing and tart. Like more of like a sorbet. More of a sorbet than an ice cream. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when we were in Rome last year and it was just hot as hell. Mm-hmm. I mean, what like we always got those fruity flavored. Gelatos. Uh, like gelatos because mm-hmm. of that. Yes. Um, even at nighttime, uh, it was still like more of like the refreshing flavors. Yeah. Like we'd get like um, tangerine flavor or lemon flavored. Right. Fruity ones, strawberry, stuff like that. But I agree. I'd say, you know, if it's super hot, like, you know, in like August, September in Los Angeles, I'm going to go for one of those, right? Mm -hmm. But if it's kind of just more of like a normal day, like a normal warm day, you know, I'm going to go with like either a rocky road or Mm -hmm. like a cookies and cream or some or any anything chocolate. Andrew loves ice cream sandwiches. Oh, my God. I love ice cream sandwiches. That's what he goes for. Yeah. More often than not. You go for the like two cookies. <laughs> I know. It's a it's, <laughs> ice cream in the middle. It's amazing that I'm actually like in somewhat decent shape. <laughs> you do have the palate of a toddler. I'm I not do. gonna lie. <laughs> I know. I I could go for like a nice like Chianti sometimes or like a Sauvignon Blanc. Because toddlers love wine. That's true. No, like I was gonna <laughs> say I'm 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 giving myself a little bit of credit here. So I, I could go for that. But then also, like, literally immediately after, I'd be like, I want an ice cream sandwich now. Yeah. But who doesn't? Yeah, who doesn't, right? Okay. You have the next question. Okay. What has been our favorite episodes? Oh, boy. So this one's tough because, like... Oh, I don't know. Because, like, I can look at this from two different ways. Like, the episode themselves or, like, the actual, like, research and, like coming I'd together say that, with look it. at the episodes themselves like how the episode came oh, together the, like yours because i could just sit back and just relax <laughs> and you're the one who tells me a story i love that so you're just saying all of mine because you have to do less work i have to do a lot less work <laughs> which one of mine would be your favorite that one's that one's a tough one mm-hmm. i mean honestly one of my favorites to this day and this is the number one episode we have is kudyun number one like you know what's one of my favorites to this day for you what the Great Emu War. Oh, my God. So our very first two episodes. Yeah. Are, is, was it just all downhill after that? <laughs> after episode two, it was all downhill. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I'd say Kudyun for is definitely one of my favorites for you. But then also, uh, maybe a more recent one. What's a... Honestly, the last one you did, the very last one you Thelma did Todd? on Thelma Todd. I, I love that one. That one was so interesting. Also, yeah. the one you did on Boudica. I like that one, too. Yeah, I really liked... I love so many of yours. I really loved learning more about Sappho. Oh. I really loved the one that we just discussed in the part one, which is the Darren Kuyu. Darren Kuyu, yeah. Did I say it right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the how in-depth you can go, even though you often pick which I think is so interesting. You often pick really hard ones that don't have a lot of like source material. It's like, I, I just, I'm a glutton for punishment. I swear. Yeah. And I think you do such a good job. I often you're done and I'm like, I could never have done that. I would have given up because they're really hard. They are. So they, I love yours. Thank you. I'd say of the ones that I did though, probably the pirate queen. Oh, that was cool. Um, and and then also T.E. Lawrence, I mm-hmm. think. Oh, you loved t- doing T.E. Lawrence. You loved the research for that, I remember. Yeah, that one really stands out. Um, but then also the D- Darren Kuyu, not so much because it was, I mean, because it was so hard, I think. Mm-hmm. And I learned so much. Um, I'd say that was also one of my favorites. M- one of, because it's so rewarding, I think. Yeah, yeah. I one of the ones that I enjoyed, I guess, researching or compiling the most was actually the story of Lizzie Borden. Oh, that was a good one. Just because I grew up with that very unfortunate little children's nursery rhyme. Yes. I was always so curious. We've, we've said this. I was a strange kid. I was always really you curious a about the story. 
So it was cool to research it and share it with you all. That's awesome. Okay. Is it my question or your question? Who knows at this point? I'd say you go. <laughs> okay. So what is our best advice to the younger weirdos in school? Oh. That was really cute. I love that. So I think from from my point of view, I think it's to really, especially if you're still in high school um, or even in college, it doesn't really matter. You're still really young. Yeah. So don't get wrapped up into, oh, I have to know exactly what I'm doing like tomorrow. That yep. is no, no, absolutely not. Like, I think what you should do, honestly, is really just try to explore as much as you can. And mm. I mean that in like a very vague sense purposefully because like you should explore. Sure. Like physically like and um in a geographic sense absolutely you know go travel but if you especially if you have the means to do so um i'd say that that's definitely one but also even maybe more importantly really explore your interests really explore your passions like just try to understand like what really drives you and once you answer that question a lot of other things will start falling in place and you know i, I think this is kind of a cheesy answer, but just try to be the best version of yourself. Really, mm -hmm. like just push yourself to um, understand and learn as much as you can. Yeah, I, and it's very general. I understand. I know that, but it, it especially when you're young, it can just really open up a lot of doors and really solidify. Like, oh, I'm really interested in this subject, or I'm really interested in, in doing this, and then find a way to almost like monetize that if you can mm -hmm. really try to uh, like find the intersection of, okay, this is what drives me. How can I also like maybe make money doing this? Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily have to figure out that second part right now because mm -hmm. if you're still in school, but you know, maybe have that in the back of your head, but really just focus on what drives you. What are your passions? It sounds like you're all, you're almost touching on the Japanese concept of Ikigai. I am. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which is the intersection of, I think it's like, what you're passionate about, what you can get paid for, what the world needs, and what you're good at. Yes, that's exactly what it is. That's really, really good advice. Thank you. I'd say no matter what age you are in school, like I think this applies for anyone, is I have two bits of advice. One is don't let other people put unnecessary stress in your life. Oh, I love that answer. Whether that be your family, your parents, your siblings, your friends, your teachers, I don't care who it is, that's their stuff. That's not your stuff. So don't absorb it and make it like the core of your life. That happens so much to folks in school. And then the second part of that, I would say, is really get to know yourself. And I mean, get to know yourself, like what brings you joy? What drains you? What are you interested in? What are you not interested in? What are you curious about? Like, just know, like, what clothes do you like to wear? What clothes do you not like to wear? All of it. Get to know yourself. This is, this is not a very academic, I guess, bit of advice, but it's, this is a time to really be selfish in the best way possible. Absolutely. I love that answer. And I really wish someone had told me that when I was, you know, 16 or however old. Especially grownups, you guys, and this is grownups. I'm even saying this to college students, like the adults in your life, the ones out of school. They're going to put so much BS on your plate. <laughs> it's true. That's their BS. That's not yours. Like, you could just hand it right back. Be like, excuse me, I didn't ask for this. <laughs> this is for you, actually. I love that. <laughs> okay, next is, oh, who is our favorite historical couple? Ooh. Ooh, romance. Romance. <laughs> favorite historical couple. This is tough because I don't like a lot of them. I really don't either. Like, some are fascinating or interesting like but Cleopatra, i wouldn't like cleopatra and mark antony that one's just a train wreck it's i love it because it's a train wreck i wouldn't want to model that even remotely <laughs> but i love it i agree they're a classic one that comes to mind where it's just like i can't look away like, but i would never want anything similar to their relationship i'm trying to think of like, like a good one a good example because i think of all of like basically all monarchs i feel like had really terrible marriages right like everyone like mary queen of scots uh henry the eighth i could see why elizabeth the first was like screw that i'm not marrying anybody yeah absolutely monarchs don't have good reps when it comes <laughs> to happy marriages 
I, I honestly can't think of one that I admire at all. <laughs> How about you? No. I feel like there's one. I mean, we don't have a lot of... <laughs> there should be one. Yeah. Like, we, we don't have a lot of, um, what do you call it, like, documentation on this one. But there was a Roman emperor um, by the name of... Oh, my God. And I'm literally forgetting. I, I know the years he ruled, and I'm forgetting his name. It's 270 to 275 AD. Uh -huh. so he's my favorite one. Aurelian. Aurelian. Thank you. I... How did I forget that? <laughs> Anyways, he and his wife, his wife was a woman by the name of Ulpia Severina. Uh -huh. And I, we know from very little that they did have a really good relationship. In fact, she was a very competent um, human being in general as well. And, mm -hmm. and there was a bit of time after he died where there's kind of like a, there's like nothing in the historical record. And it's theorized that she actually ruled in his stead. Yes. Mm -hmm. For like about six months. Yeah. I remember um, learning about that. And I think that's quite fascinating. Um, but that's it's a kind good of one. It's yeah, but like we don't know a lot about their relationship because right. it's just like it's from a time in Roman history where there's just not a lot of sources. And they wouldn't have placed an important emphasis on marriage, like right. not in a romantic sense. Yeah, exactly. It was a political move. I mean, kind of a good example is in um, we also see Caesar Augustus, right, and his, his wife, third yeah. wife, right, mm -hmm. Livia Drusilla. That's a you know, she was given in a time, Roman society was incredibly patriarchal. Yeah. And she was given a lot of leeway, much more so than any really woman of her station. Much more than a lot of um, men that would have been his, like, peers. Exactly. Yeah. That's a really interesting one. But again, we don't know a ton about their lives or those women in the relationship just because history has been biased. Right. One that would normally come to mind, but again, like looking at it through a modern lens, we can see how absurdly problematic this would be. <laughs> the Hadrian and his Oof. boyfriend. Yes. Was it Antinous? Antinous, right? yeah. yeah. Because he started that relationship with Antinous when Antinous was so young yeah. that now it's like, oh, I don't think that's okay, even a little bit. But that was that's an actual example of people knew about his romantic love for this person and that was such a big part of his life he didn't really separate it from who he was which i think is interesting but yeah other than that i don't really have a ton if there are good somewhat healthy historical romantic couples let us know i just feel like a lot of the good ones they probably didn't write about yeah because that's not as interesting <laughs> that's true yeah I know there there has to be some more modern ones like that we just are not thinking of. There has to be. Yeah, someone Sheesh. someone tell me. Yeah, because I can't think of any. Not a lot. Okay. okay. What is the cutest thing you've ever seen? <laughs> well, I mean, on every single day on Instagram or on TikTok, I see videos. I get a lot of animal videos. Yeah, there's some cute stuff. And out there's there. a lot of baby cows on my feed there's a lot of puppies there's a lot of kittens there's a lot of like birds you know <laughs> i know that is my feed it's not it's not scantily Capibadas. clad women it is birds and capybaras mm -hmm. you know so you see a lot of cute stuff is what you're saying i see a lot of cute stuff so I, I, that's a tough question i would think one of the cutest things for you would be your deep friendship with those two cats that used to be our neighbors oh I know. They did a lot of cute stuff in your presence. They did. These yeah. two cats were obsessed with Andrew. They were, they looked identical. We thought it was the same cat for a while. And they were like, they could hear Andrew's voice because as we know, Andrew's voice is louder <laughs> than mine. From like, we'd be walking down the street. These cats he must hear him because they'd start going, meow, meow, meow. And they'd like run out of their home and like run, like sprint to Andrew meowing the whole time. Meow, 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 meow. And I've never seen cats do that before. Yeah, until he'd start petting them and then they'd be so happy. I feel like that's one of the cutest things I've seen. Oh, that was that is super cute. And we also have befriended like a semi-feral stray cat. We named him Shadow. His name's Shadow. He's a black cat, like f all black. And he is, and he's so weedle. He's so tiny and he's got these bright green eyes. He's super cute. Yeah, we, the last time we saw him, we we usually have, like, cat treats with us and we'll feed him. Yeah. And we forgot. And I think he was low-key a little pissed about that. <laughs> we disappointed Shadow. We disappointed Shadow. 
Let me see if there's anything else super cute. This is like really cheesy cute, I guess, is I have this picture on my phone that I love to look at. And it's um, my dad and my abue. So not his mom, but my mom's mom. So my dad and his mother-in-law kind of like snuggling together. Aww. I don't know what the context is. I don't remember when I took the photo, but they're hugging and who knows maybe they're like talking smack on my mom or something because they look like they're in cahoots while they're cuddling and it's just to me it just warms my heart so much i love that picture yeah that's one of the cutest things i've ever seen they have a really good relationship they do they love each other so much and it's funny because my dad is not fluent in spanish my abuela doesn't speak any english but somehow they've my whole life they've really managed to build a good relationship yeah they really have which is awesome it is okay next one is has podcasting changed your relationship with each other? If so, how? Well, we're splitting up. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to make that the was joke. so good. I didn't want to scare you. <laughs> no, I knew you were joking immediately. I'd say it's changed our relationship for sure because we have this layer of what originally started as like a fun project it's become somewhat like semi-professional now right so we have like a professional relationship with each other and we've had to learn how to communicate and resolve like not necessarily conflict but like obstacles together right in like a work sense in a work setting yeah that was never a thing beforehand yeah with us like it was only like romantic life partner stuff yeah now it's like you kind of add professional uh, relationship like you just said and it's kind of it, it's almost like you have to like break things down into different lenses it's tough i don't necessarily think every couple should do something like this together right because it can be tough to like separate the two yeah it's hard especially because we normally don't get to record at like the badass spotify studios they're normally in our home right and so it's just it's it can be messy but it also can be really fun because we care about each other so much and we have so much fun together right all the time so it has changed our relationship and i'd say overall for the better yeah i definitely think so as well it's almost like deepened the relationship i'd say yeah that's a good way of putting it okay so second to last question here is do you ever see taking the show on tour um did you guys hear me gulp <laughs> yeah <laughs> i they... saw you gulp I'm wondering if these fancy mics picked up on the gulp. Maybe. I would love to do that. There mm -hmm. currently aren't any plans, but yeah. that's something that I think we could do in the future. I think we would start, like, obviously before doing a, a full-on tour because that's... It's a lot. It's a lot of logistics. We might do, like, like a meetup yeah. in L.A., and then maybe we would do, like, a live show or something like that first to kind of build up to it. I'm going to be totally transparent. I get a lot of stage fright. I have that big fear of public speaking. Oh, So Andrew, I think, is more willing and ready. And I'm the one that's going to need a little, like, nurturing to get there. <laughs> Convince your weirdos. You guys got this. <laughs> no, but no, you're right, though. It, it, it can be a little bit. I think stage fright is a real thing. Um, I was in a play in eighth grade, so <laughs> I... <laughs> <laughs> so that means that i don't have stage fright i conquered it already fright. oh my god well i was not in a play in eighth grade and i do have stage fright <laughs> so so are the two related absolutely absolutely <laughs> okay. okay you have the honor of reading the very last q a question this is our final question what is your favorite Ernest Hemingway quote or saying? That's Ooh. very specific. You're going to answer for both of us. Because okay. you're, you're more of a Hemingway fan than I am. Mm. Okay. One of my favorite ones is for writers, is who he intended the quote for, but I think this applies to anyone. And it's something along the lines of like, if you want to write about life, you first have to live it. Oh, that's a good one, though. Yeah, I think it's simple, but to the point. I, and that's his writing style, simple and to the point. 
totally. And I think that kind of it goes to a little bit of our question about advice for folks in school. Don't focus so much on like the idea of learning that you miss out on actually learning things. Right. What was it Mark Twain? Don't let schooling get in the way of your education. Yeah. I love that quote. So it's really about being present and intentional. Yeah. I love it. I love that too. All right. And next up, we have more of your weird history short stories coming right up. Excellent. Shall I start this one off? Yes. Okay. So this this folk person, human being, listener, <laughs> wrote in, I recently heard about Antanas Makas on an episode of Freakonomics and immediately thought, this guy is perfect for the weirdos. <laughs> He was the president of the University of Columbia. That's where Steph went for graduate school. Yay. Before becoming the mayor of Bogota in 1995 and became famous for his bizarre and often successful initiatives, some of which including replacing traffic cops with mimes and tickets <laughs> with red cards, like in soccer. Oh my gosh. He also made a commercial of himself showering to promote <laughs> water conservation and was known to wear a cape and spandex in public, calling himself Super Citizen. I wish I knew more about him because he sounds like the greatest politician of all time, expecting maybe that the dog, uh, or, or oh, I'm thinking they're, what they're trying to say is except maybe that dog who was elected four times in Minnesota. Yes, that one town in Minnesota with the golden retriever. Yes, oh my God, I love... Love that mayor. That's definitely the best politician. This guy sounds like the second best, though. Yeah, he's he's the second best. Love you guys. Looking forward to the next 100 episodes. Kate from Hamilton, Montana. Thanks, Kate. Thank you, Kate. That was awesome. Okay. Next one says, Stephanie and Andrew. My name is Kaylee, and I have been a fan for a few months and binged listen to catch up with a lot of the episodes. Still haven't gotten to all the old episodes, but I'm savoring them. Wow. It's always such an honor when people say they binge. I know. It's so cool. Okay. Your episode on Willowbrook really touched my heart. As I listened, I recalled that name from long ago, but couldn't place it. As you further described what it was, I remembered. When I was a teenager, my dad was working at a specific group residence called Ullman House in upstate New York, where I have lived all my life. This house was part of the upstate cerebral palsy and was dedicated to treating older people who had developmental disabilities. My father told me of a woman there that had passed the previous night and how she was a resident of Willowbrook, so he always took special care of her to treat her kindly and with respect. I had never heard of Willowbrook, and my father would not elaborate, only tell me that a lot of kids had bad things happen there. As I continued to listen, I thought of this woman and how she must have felt and I'm so glad that after that ordeal, she came upstate and lived somewhere where people cared and loved her. Her family left her at Willowbrook long ago and never returned. So the staff at Ullman were the only people who really loved her. Side note, Ullman House is somewhat haunted, and there's a woman in white with long black hair who visits the residents when they are ready to pass. And the woman in white visited the resident from Willowbrook the night she passed. The woman keeps the residents calm and lets them know they are at peace as they transition into the afterlife. My dad saw her that night. Whoa. My father worked with Upstate's rural palsy for most of his life, getting a job there at 19 and working there until his death in August of 2020 when he was hit by a woman driving under the influence. Seeing the way that his face lit up as he worked with all of the individuals, whether in residential or educational settings, you could tell he loved those he worked with. He gave his all for them, being working late nights to help residents, cooking the meals, health and hygiene, teaching life skills to the teenagers, and even running a local 15K with six of those individuals back in the summer of 2019. I know you know this, but I wanted to tell you, there are good people. Yes, abuse is still a problem in the system of care. Yes, we are a long way from fixing it. But there are so many people who are loving and caring and will fight for what is right for these people. Thank you for shedding light onto this because we have come so far, but we still have a long way to go. Happy 100th episode. 
Love the show and hope you keep it up. Have a great day. Sincerely, Kay. P.S. I did write this the day after you released the episode, but life gets crazy. It's been sitting in my drafts for almost a month <laughs> just because it was really hard to write. And I wanted to get this all as perfect as possible before sending. Okay, that was beautiful. Thank you so much for writing that in. That was so nice to hear, you know, from the Willowbrook episode, Andrew, which you did so beautifully. We all, all of those who listen know it's a tough episode. You did it great. And this was so nice to hear like a good story out yeah. of it and to remember the good people who are out there helping others. Right. And I think it's so natural for us to just focus on the bad that we forget about the good. Yeah. And Kay, I want to say I'm so sorry for the loss of your dad. He sounds like an incredible man. Yeah, he really does. Thank you for sharing a little bit about him with us. Yeah. Thank you, Kay. Okay. So then that was a nice long one. This one's going to, is like really <laughs> funny and short one. Okay. Did you know that Napoleon was nearly assassinated by a horde of rabbits? This reminds me of the great emu war. Lol. From X. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So I did not know that about Napoleon. Um, I feel like I have to look that one up, but that is amazing. Yes. That was a good one. <laughs> that was a really good one. Okay. Next up we have, I have two short stories having to do with my family slash ancestors that have passed down and I find them funny and a bit odd. So I thought I'd share them. One, my family, the Gordons were very good family friends with the Lincolns. Yes. Abe Lincoln's family. And they moved together down to Indiana and lived very near each other in the same town. There's a lot more details, but I'm still writing this for memory, so it's not the best. <laughs> the move happened when Abe would have been about six or seven, and they lived there together for a long while. A few years later, when Abe was probably in his teenage years, he was leading a mule in a mill on the Gordon family's property, grinding grain, and he kept saying a term, get on mule, or something very similar. And apparently annoyed it. <laughs> he had just started saying it when all of a sudden the mule kicked him in the head. Kicked Abraham Lincoln in the head. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> there are mixed accounts on how long he was out. Some remember all night. Some remember 10 minutes. But it was a long time ago. And they pretty much thought he was dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's no joke getting kicked in the head by a mule. That's... Not, I mean, I've seen horses kick. Oh, yeah. That could kill you. When he finally woke up, the first thing he said was finishing the term he passed out in the middle of. So he probably finished saying, get on, mule. <laughs> um, another thing I found my family was that my ancestors, the Gordon family, said they didn't like and didn't vote for him in the future because he didn't like to work. He preferred to sit outside and read books. <laughs> Sounds like you, babe. Same, Abe Lincoln, same. same. <laughs> <laughs> I also don't like to work. I like to read books. <laughs> okay, and then number two. A much, long time, a much longer time ago, a branch of my family lived in Denmark and were at least visiting, and for some reason, they were well acquainted with the royal family. Oh. An ancestor of mine who was a young girl at the time was playing with the princess, and it is written that she got very mad because the little princess wouldn't let her play with the teapot. So she went outside and stomped all over the tulips in the garden. Guess who caught her? The king. My great ancestor was spanked by the king of Denmark. <laughs> yes. Hope you can use these. And it's signed, A New Fan. Oh, well, thank you, A New Fan. Those were both awesome. I, I, those were incredible. Yeah, those are really good bits of family history to have. I know, the fact that they were, those were both passed down for so long. Yeah. Kind of incredible. Okay, next one here. Hey, Andrew and Stephanie. I'm sure I am echoing lots of listeners by saying that I, I miss your podcast. I love your content. You guys have gotten me through a pretty epic move and tons of subsequent chores over the last couple of years. That's um, always good to hear. That's really good to hear. I, too, listen to podcasts as I'm, like, doing chores around the house. Yeah, same. So I feel you. I am an avid consumer of history, but like Stephanie, I study human behavior and find the weird and nuanced tales of people's lives deeply enticing. I just have to know. Your content gives me a lot of food for thought and further research. 
I'm grateful to you both for providing such an accessible way to bolster my appetite for weird history. Before I submit my story, I want to add that this isn't just your content that makes this podcast for me. I really love your sincere support and encouragement of one another. Oh, that is really cute. <laughs> it is refreshing to hear a couple who clearly share a deep and profound respect for each other. Oh, oh. this woman. <laughs> oh, this guy. <laughs> your love is apparent and sweet, and your partnership is a tender gift to be exposed to through your podcast. Wow. That's really sweet. Thank That's you. That's really nice to hear. That's such a big compliment. It is, yeah. I had not originally planned to share any of these stories with anyone yet, but I was listening to History for Weirdos today and thought, you know, why not? My history is entangled with my dad's. My dad was a very interesting character in the local history books of the town where I grew up, wow. in Huntersville, North Carolina. His name was Jeff Lawrence, and he was a pastor, but more than that, he was the historian of our county and worked tirelessly to preserve our local heritage history, which happened to be accounted for far earlier than the American Revolution. Wow. Yeah, that makes sense. Oddly, he was just remembered in Huntersville's 150 Notable People and Places feature this summer. Congratulations. That's awesome. That's so cool. The church where he preached and where I grew up was built in 1762 and was erected by enslaved folks who masoned each brick and sat every Sunday in the wraparound balcony. Mm -hmm. I always used the slave exit to go and come from worship from that very balcony. We wow. We had a fantastically old graveyard that was across the street from the manse where I lived. I thought all kids grew up wearing colonial clothing and <laughs> Scottish tartans and volunteered as docents at historic sites or could give a black history <laughs> tour from memory or that spending weekends finding and preserving slave cemeteries with your dad was a totally normal way to spend your time. Oh my gosh, let's normalize all of those things for yeah, kids. Normalize all of them. <laughs> I only wish that could be considered normal. So I have hundreds of stories about growing up with this guy, but in the last few months, I've been inspired to just embrace my own weirdness and start writing down stories from my life as I remembered them in regards to encounters I have had with death. That's awesome. You should write those down. Definitely. I have written four stories so far, and I have six more to go before I think this little book I am working on might be something. Each of these stories touches on my life as a pastor's child, surrounded by intense local history, but mainly I want to sort out my own experience with death and dying while having this unique childhood to reflect on. Mm. I'm going to attach one story here. If you like it and want more, I'm happy to share. But for the moment, I thought it might possibly be some fodder for your podcast and could be fun. Each of my short stories really is meant to be a little disturbing. Mm. I love scary stories and thought that might be apparent. <laughs> All said, I hope you enjoy it and if you decide if you decide to read it. If nothing else, I want you to know how much I enjoy your content and relationship on History for Weirdos. Thank you for going for it and sticking with it. I know life has a lot of other ways to intrude, and this podcast has been a really fun addition to my journey. Fellow weirdo, Claire. Claire, thank you so much. And Claire did attach one of her short stories when we read it. It was really cool. It was. It was a little uh, long for this episode, but we wanted to share her email anyway, because in that email alone, what incredible stories. I know, right? Yeah. That was awesome. That was. Okay, okay. I have our last one. Our last weirdo submitted, it's not a story, but more of a, a little trivia, but I want to give it some preamble because this one was not submitted specifically for our, our 100th episode, but we wanted to read it anyway because it's from our dear weirdo, Cleet. Cleet sends us the most amazing weird history tidbits or reflections or like additional sources after listening to the episode. And so, Cleet, I hope you're listening because I really wanted to read this for the episode today. Cleet titled it American Travel Trivia, which is exactly what this is. It's perfect. So, in 1784, George Washington set out on horseback to survey a route for America's first federal interstate highway. Okay, first of all, that's, that's crazy. wild because it would take almost 200 years for that project to actually come to fruition. That sounds like the U.S. government. <laughs> I know, right? It would be Eisenhower yeah. who would start that. 
He was concerned that American Western settlers would become politically and economically dependent, quote, on the Spaniards on their right and Great Britain on their left. (laughs) If he didn't, quote, open a wide door and make a smooth way for them to travel. That, quote, smooth way became known as the National Road I-40. Oh, very cool. That's so interesting. Okay, the next tidbit is 200 years ago, a turnpike was any road that was paved with stones, wood, or some combination of hard materials and required a fee for their use. After the toll was paid, an official would turn a pike, which was a long wooden pole acting as a gate. This allowed the traveler to enter the roadway. Oh. I remember learning about that in school. Really? Yeah. I've never heard that before. But like on the West Coast, they're not called turnpikes. They're no. just called toll roads. Yeah. And so like I guess like on the East Coast, that's more of a, a thing. Yeah, that's what my dad calls them. Right. Yeah. That's so interesting. And then the last few are going to be like little short ones. And then we got two slightly longer ones. So this fun fact is the first road to use asphalt pavement was New York's Fifth Avenue in 1872. Wow. The first road with concrete pavement was in Bellefontaine, Ohio in 1893. Also, thank goodness for paved roads. We're very lucky we live in a time. Can you imagine just like (laughs) flying down the freeway at like 80 (laughs) miles per hour and it's just like bumpy? Like the cobblestone roads. Oh my gosh. I think you blow an axle. Totally. Teddy Roosevelt was the first U.S. president to ride in a car. Oh my gosh. Warren Harding was the first to drive one. Wow. Wow. In 1953, when Dwight Eisenhower took office, only 53% of Americans, 3 million miles of road were paved. What? Yeah, I didn't know that. That late? That's crazy. Yeah. Building the interstate system took about 2 million acres of property. Wow. The first transcontinental interstate system route spanning America from Atlantic to Pacific was I-80. Its 2,907 miles were opened to the public on August 22, 1986. The dedication ceremony took place just 50 miles from where the nation's first transcontinental road came together with its golden spike. Yeah. And then lastly, the longest route on the interstate system is I-90, a 3,201 miles. A few days after it opened, a mock funeral service was held for the last traffic light to be removed from its path. <laughs> yes. The ceremony was complete with a coffin, a prayer, and more than a thousand, quote, mourners. <laughs> there was not a wet eye in the crowd. <laughs> and that's from Cleet. So the next time you are on a road trip, this is your American travel trivia, weirdos. I I love this, and this is so emblematic of Cleet's emails. Which yes, we, like, we love we don't them. Love, no, I think we like we cherish them. Yeah, we cherish all the weirdos so much. This two part episode is because of you all. Yeah, literally all because of you guys like from listening to us every single week to submitting these stories and questions to just continuously like supporting us and commenting on our instagram posts and messaging us like you guys have really made this podcast something special yeah we want you to know that even if like the messages can get a little out of hand for us and we can't respond to everyone all the time we appreciate you so much we keep showing up because of the weirdo community that's pretty much it it's for you all it's the connection that we make it's hearing like fun facts and stories or theories we love it so much yeah you guys are stellar and fantastic thank you thank you for all you do and that wraps up the history for weirdos 100th episode wow that was definitely the longest episode we've ever had i mean we literally we had to split this thing into two parts yes we did that's because we have a really awesome awesome community do best fan base or community like in all podcasting i think i'd say but i might be a little biased (laughs) (laughs) i love how i'm like i might be a little biased you're like it's a fact it's a fact everyone knows it look it up on wikipedia yeah you know oh my god what if we did create a wikipedia page and put that oh we should someone do that 
Don't do that. Well, I mean, I don't think History for Widows doesn't have a Wikipedia page, so. Okay, so we've got to start there. <laughs> we got to take it back a few steps. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll create one, and then boom. Thank you all once again so much. Thank you to Spotify for letting us record here. This was incredible. Yeah, this... <laughs> It really makes me want to have like a studio now because this was such a better experience than just like recording on our couch. Well, don't get used to it, sweetheart. We're getting back to the couch (laughs) next week. Back to 101. (laughs) Back to the couch. All right, weirdos. Thank you so much. Until next time. Until next time, weirdos. Adios. from New York, it's Saturday Night Live.